sing it out, church. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is free. Every chain, every chain is broken through you, Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Thank you, God. There is freedom in this place, Lord. We worship your holy name, God. Two, three, four, one, 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 two, three. Come on, let's sing these words out. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name. And now your joy awaits my praise. Yeah. Give thanks all you have done. I will see your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I Set my feet on higher ground. So here I stand. You are my God. Your faithfulness is my solid rock. Yeah, yeah. Give thanks all you have done. Now I will see your mercy and your love. Your love is
is in God's presence so good. So, so good. Well, hey, as I was praying over our time of worship this morning together, God brought me to a scripture. And it's funny because I was taking some time to look back over some of the words that God had given. I write down things. And this was a scripture that God had departed into my heart and I had shared with you in January when we started the year. And did you know that we're about six months into the year? Just about right now. And this is what the word says in Jeremiah chapter 17. It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots, sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. This morning, church, whether you are at home or you are in this room, can I encourage you that God wants to do a new thing in your heart to finish off and keep going strong in the year 2020. God is not limited by our circumstances. And I was reminded, I don't know about where you find yourself with COVID, but one of the things that I have struggled the most with is the lack of control that I have had in this process. And this morning the Lord says, let go, release control and allow me to do my work in you and through you. God, we receive this word this morning. Jesus, do a new thing in our hearts. God, let your Holy Spirit rest. I'm going to read this verse one more time and we're going to continue. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. God, where we're holding on tight, we release our grip in Jesus' name. God, where fear wants to come in, we speak against it in the name of Jesus. And as we have sung freedom, and as we have sung of gratefulness, God, I ask that those things would well up within our heart. God, that you would do a new thing in us. In Jesus' name we pray.
promise we stand on. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it
Spirit, we declare together as one voice, I'm going to see a victory. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. I'm going to say it again because someone needs to hear it. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Father God, thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives. We love you, Jesus. We praise your holy name. Right where you're at, will you just take a minute, be present in this moment with Jesus, who is here. If you're at home, he is right with you. There is no distance between our God. And from your heart to him, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. God, let that sink down deep in our hearts today. We stand on your promises. We stand on your goodness. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I don't want to leave this moment because it's so good to be together and to worship. You know, if you're at home, you don't get to see what I see, which is a bunch of beautifully masked faces. And in just a moment, we're going to take a minute to look at some announcements, and we're going to be doing that on the screens. But at this time in our service, normally what we would do, well, 13, 14, 15 weeks ago, however long it's been a year ago, um, we would take time to greet each other because one of our values here is connecting. And we know that we can't do that the way we normally do. But I asked if our uh, team, our tech team, our production team could maybe show you at home um, what, what I get to see. And so I know you can't really turn and greet one another, but you're going to get to greet the online uh, service this morning. So they're going to turn that to you guys. Where are they at? Is that you, Levitt? Everybody, let's wave. Let's say hi online. And I know I can just tell they're saying hi to you as well. I can just hear it. Um, so what we're going to do at this time is we're going to go ahead and have a seat. We're so glad you're with us this morning. Whether home or here, we are one church. Better together, amen. All right, let's take a minute and let's look at some announcements. Hi, Grace Church. We're so glad that you joined us today. We're going to continue in our time of worship through our giving. Yeah, we just want to keep that heart that we're giving it to the one who gave it all. Let's take some time and pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much, Lord. We thank you for who you are and the sacrifices that you have done, Lord. We ask that you would take this tithe, this giving, Lord God, and you would bless it, Lord God, that you would take it further than it could ever go. Lord, we pray that those who need help would receive help through this, Lord God. I pray that lives would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. We are so excited that our building is officially open. In July, we've got several things that are going to begin to roll out, starting with our first Tuesday prayer meeting. July 7th, you get to come to the church and join us in person for prayer. Then we got some exciting news. The church has opened up this Sunday. Well, youth group will be starting up. It's going to be starting up on Wednesdays. Our first youth group night is going to be July 8th at 6.30. We're so pumped, so excited. We'll see you guys more details in email and then also on our social media. Awesome. Well, let's get ready for the word, Pastor Omar. 
All right, yes. Good morning to our online crowd. Good morning to our in-person crowd. This is such a great day to finally get together in the same room together for, you know, it's been too long. Uh, it's good to have some of our Grace Church fam uh, here in the room with us. I might feed off that energy today. I, I didn't take any coffee. I didn't drink any coffee this morning. This is all you energizing me from seeing your guys' faces. It's so good. It's so good. My goodness. And uh, thank you so much for those of you who are joining us online. I know this is a unique time to, to feel like we have to do things differently, but we're going to make the best out of it because we know that God is doing a good thing in the midst of all this chaos and all the things that are happening. God is doing a good work, and uh, we get to proclaim that as God's people. People need to know that, that God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good, and we say amen to that. We know that, and uh, maybe this is the first time you're catching wind that we're able to open up the church building for in-person gatherings, uh, so what we're doing is on Wednesdays, uh, we're, we're dropping and opening up the, the reser- uh, for you to reserve your spot, and, uh, and you can drop in on, on Wednesday evenings and, and pick your spots, and uh, there's plenty of room here, plenty of room, and so we're excited for that. Also, somebody asked me if, uh, how do we give in person, and so in the back here by the door, there's a little, a little black box there, there's some envelopes if you want to give uh, that way, you can, uh, but the best way to give is, is to give online, uh, that's the best way at this point. Uh, but uh, this morning's message is unique because it's something that I've been stewing on for the last several weeks as I've been anticipating this moment. I've been anticipating our time where we can start to gather together in these settings. And, uh, and, and so this is something that's special from my heart, from a pastor's heart, to, to talk to us together, both online and those that are in person. And so before we begin this morning's message, let's, let's set our hearts before the Lord in a posture of saying, Lord, here I am, I'm listening because that's what God wants to do. He wants to speak to every heart today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the blessedness of gathering together with your people, God, whether it's through online or through in person, God. And we just know, God, that your presence is everywhere. Your presence is with us. Where you said where two or three are gathered, there I am, Lord. And there's a unique presence when your people come together. We sense your presence in such a mighty way during our time of worship, proclamation and declaration of who you are in us. And Lord, we pray, God, that we will continue that posture, Lord, as we open our hearts and open our ears to what you have to say for us today. We love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I love hearing the feedback. It's so good. It's so good for a pastor, let me tell you. Well, we're going to dive right in to today's word. We're going to jump into a passage from the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, or also known as the letter to the Ephesian church. Now, this was written by the Apostle Paul. I'm going to give you a little background here so we kind of see it through the lens of some of this uh, uh, background of who's writing it, who he's writing it to, and what's happening during this time. So we know this about the Apostle Paul is that he went on many missionary journeys, and as he went to certain regions, strategically, he planted these churches, these communities, and uh, this particular city of Ephesus was an important city. It was, a, it was a prominent city. It was a city that was strategically planted as the gateway between the east and the west. And so the Apostle Paul, when he planted a church there, that was a big win for the gospel because people were coming from all over the world through this port city. And so it was important for the church there to stand and to grow and to disciple the people so that the gospel can go to all the corners of the earth. Now, what's amazing about this church, if you studied some, some church history, you know that this was one of the fastest growing churches at the time. 
There was an evangelism, evangelism explosion at the time. And see, what happened is because people were coming from all different backgrounds and cultures, and this city was like a multicultural melting pot. And so, so it was important for the gospel to come into a place like that to show the world that people from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds can come and become one people, one family. And I think that's why the gospel in this certain region just spread like crazy. Also, when Paul was, was leaving, he left the church in the hands of some extraordinary leaders. Leaders by the name of, these, uh, of a gifted couple called Priscilla and Aquila. Also an evangelist called Apollo that, that church historians say that, that when he preached, man, he, he preached with fire and, 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 and passion. So he drew people in with his, with his spirit of evangelism. Later on, this church would be handed over to this young pastor named Timothy. Many of us know Timothy because it's who the letters of First and Second Timothy were written to. And he was like a, a son in the faith to Paul. And so you can see with this great leadership, this church grew. Under this leadership in the city of Ephesus, it became the epicenter of Christianity during this time. And though this, this region was experiencing a, a revival at the time, it also experienced some tremendous pressure from the culture of the day. And, and, and what was happening was that the people started to shift, through Christianity started to spread, people started to shift from idol worship to Jesus worship. And let me tell you, this was a big deal at the time because it started to affect the economy of that region. Why? Because there was a temple there of a Greek goddess that was one, known at that time as one of the seven wonders of the world. And so you could imagine the pressure that started coming against this movement called Christianity and the threat that these, the, this culture felt or the people felt that had their jobs and their economy based on the worship of this idol. So I wanted you to kind of understand a little bit of this background as we start to get into this passage to see this in the lens of what's happening in this culture, in this region, in this time of this church, to get us a little historical background as we dive into today's passage. Now I'm going to read a good portion of Ephesians chapter 4, so I gave you plenty of time to find the book of Ephesians chapter 4. We'll have it on the screen as well. But I want to unpack a few thoughts and then some application for today. So Ephesians chapter 4. Starting in verse 1, he says, Therefore, I, mean Paul, a prisoner for serving the Lord, and listen to his language here. He says, Beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And he does not hold back, does he? He says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Everybody say one. I just wanted to hear that. It's, it's, been, it's been different just being with a few people in a room. <laughs> there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Yes, amen. That's a good time to say amen. Now, he begins this portion of Scripture, this chapter here, by reminding the people about the importance of their calling and how important their unity is based on that calling. So then he goes into the next phase where he says, however, 
He has given each of us a special gift. There's another translation that says a special grace through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scripture says, what scripture? Psalm 68. He says, when he ascended to the heights, he led the crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that when it says he ascended, this clearly means that Christ also descended to the lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. And here Paul wants to really make a point here to to put an emphasis on the humility of Christ, but also the supremacy of Christ. And let me tell you, there was no other God at the time or no other religion that had this image of God who would be humble but be all-powerful. You got to understand that this was a a, a mind-blowing moment for these people that were hearing a message in a gospel like this. You have to know that this message about God, a God who would leave his glory from heaven and that he would come down to earth to not be served but to serve. By giving his life as a ransom for many. you got to understand the impact of that message. Now you know why it was such a radical time and a radical movement that was happening in this region when they were hearing this type of message. They were compelled by it, this idea of this higher power or this God to know and to be worshipped that would humble himself down in the form of a man and give his life for us to have life. I mean, what a powerful message. Now, Paul is doing this because he's setting us up for something bigger. He's setting us up because he's trying to teach the church, the church of Jesus Christ, that this message will not be completed unless his church, the followers of this, of this God-man Jesus that the gospel talks about, it wouldn't be completed unless his church, his followers, would, would express the same kind of love and humility that we preach about. That's his message. And that could only happen when there's unity among us, when there's, there's something that we're united under, when we become a church that truly loves like he loves and lives the way he lives. And, and in order for us to do that, we need unity among us, and that's really the key message here. Verse 11, he says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Verse 12, he says, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and to build up the church and the body of Christ. Now, I'm not sure if you understand this, but the way this relationship works between you and I is that as a pastor or pastoral staff, we get to equip you for the work and the building up of the church. Isn't that cool? Isn't that fun? I mean, that's how it ought to work. I don't know. Sometimes we come from different backgrounds and say that the pastor and the pastoral staff does all the work of the ministry. But here in Scripture, it's very loud and clear that it is our job, one another, to work together, to build each other up, and to move the mission forward. Amen? That's what we're part of. That's the good news, that we get to be part. We don't have to be bystanders, but we get to be participants in God's grand work on earth. I love that. He says this, he says, this will continue until we all, everybody say all, all of us come to such unity in faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. Sorry, any children in the room here. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. That's important to hear. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Man, I just got to pause for a moment. I can tell you that these are the days. 
These are the days. We gotta be grounded in the truth so that we understand what truth sounds like. We gotta be grounded in the word of God. See, our goal, friends, is to train each other up, to be part of this church body that would help build each other up in the faith to mature, to understand, so that we know sound truth, sound doctrine. That we would be strong enough to be not shaken when we go through life, when there's some hardships, or when we hear false teachings, that we could, we could call it out. We could recognize it. That's our job. That's why it's so important for us to do this together. This is what happens when we connect with a local body. This is the beauty of it. It'd be so hard for us to take the mandate that Jesus gave us to go out and spread the gospel to all the ends of the earth. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, he told us that. He said, that's the great commission. That is not meant for one person to do alone. Yet we often try to. He said, instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. This is my favorite part of the whole thing. He says, he who makes the whole body fit together perfectly. It's him that brings us together. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That is God's vision for this church. That's God's vision for his church. In other words, we are better together and we are stronger together. Now, I mentioned earlier that, that you know, we, or you've heard it already, that we've been going on like about 15 weeks since this pandemic has affected our, all of our lives. And I think the most challenging thing that, I've, that I know about this whole season has been the separation and the isolation, hasn't it? I mean, that's been the hardest thing for me, this distancing that's starting to happen. And that's why it's so exciting today to, to start opening it up a little bit. I think some of you guys experienced lately going to, the, to a restaurant, sit-down restaurant for the first time. I mean, how cool was that for some of us who got to experience that? You know, it's just like there's something about that that, 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 that now we're starting to go into being around other people, not in our homes. <laughs> not that I get bothered by the people in my homes. <laughs> it's nice to have a variety, right? <laughs> Let's be real. You know, I've also talked to many of you who shared that this season has also been a season of blessing in disguise. I've heard those stories. Now, I'm not trying to neglect those that have had uh, family members be sick or maybe even pass away through this awful disease, virus, or, or those of you who have been majorly impacted financially through this. I'm not trying to minimize that. But what I am saying is this, is that we have learned that through this season that God still blesses that God is still faithful to his promises, right? That God can take be- some, some, make beauty out of ashes. That God can still do things that we don't expect because he can turn all things for the good for those who are called by him, who love him and trust him, right? We've understood that in a better way, deeper way, I'm sure. But friends, I just want to tell you, and those online too, like, let's not forget to share those stories as well. Share about the times that your family's been having together and how, how, how it's opened up relationships. Share about even the times and give God the glory for the finished projects that you were able to accomplish because you had more time on your hands. Talk about how God reprioritized your life lately to help you and remind you what's really important in life. Give God the glory for that. Let's share those stories. Let's post that. Let's talk about that. It's okay to give God the glory and the honor for those moments. 
I'm so thankful for technology. I'm so thankful for the technology we have to be streaming right now with our church body, to be, to be able to connect with you guys, to do these Zoom groups. I mean, it's been super helpful to help us stay connected. It was so important that we did that as a church to say, wait, even though we're separated, let's stay connected. You know, Misty and I in our household, we, we've, we haven't used the internet as much as we've been using it now. That what we weren't prepared for was to have enough bandwidth to do all the things that we've been doing. I don't know if you've experienced this in your home, right? Where everybody's online, everybody's jumping on Zoom calls, kids are doing school, you're trying to connect with people, and, and it's just like, it's very spotty. It, 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 we have moments where, you know, we're having this good conversation, and all of a sudden it freezes up. How many of you guys have experienced that, right? You can put a little hand emoji on online. We've all had that, right? It's frustrating when we have these connection problems. You know, a weak signal is caused by a bad connection. You know, I think the same thing could happen in life. You know, the weakness and the fatigue that maybe many of us are feeling right now is caused maybe by feeling disconnected and isolated. You know, one of the challenges that I've heard from many people is that, was that they were so dependent on the connection that we had weekly here together. You know, there was something special about being connected here every week, every Sunday, depending on getting that connection with each other. And now that that's gone, it just feels, it feels a little bit harder. You feel a little weaker. See, what are the effects of being disconnected? If we are disconnected with technology, we get frustrated, don't we? We, we can't finish our jobs or our tasks. We get interrupted. However, when life, when you feel disconnected in life, it brings a whole other set of unhealth, such as isolation, depression, addictions, being disconnected can cause your mind and your spirit and your soul to feel lonely. So how do we overcome that feeling of being disconnected? Well, here's the thing. is I think this is key for us to understand, and this is so important that we talk about it today because disconnection leads to debilitation. This pandemic, I believe, accelerated a lot of how we were feeling already. If we were feeling disconnected before, man, through this pandemic, we feel really disconnected, really lonely really far away from one another. That's why it's so important for us to talk about it today. That's why this is on my heart, has been on my heart, because I knew this day would come. And see, this is why it's so important for us to learn this, is because right now, as we have this online group and we have this in-person group, we're gonna start feeling more disconnected to each other. There's gonna be this feeling of disconnect from the online to the in-person, and the in-person to the online. You're gonna start feeling this sense of like, man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in, I'm missing out. I mean, that's gonna increase going to feel like two groups in one church. But I want to tell you, because we all can't make it back at the same pace at the same time. So we're going to have to find ways, friends, we're going to have to find ways to stay connected even more than ever before. And you might be watching online and you know you're thankful for this opportunity to be connected with us, but, but you know you need more. We knew we needed more, right? We needed more. We needed to stay connected in different ways. Because we need people in our lives to do life with. And let me tell you, the enemy, he wants us to feel disconnected. He wants us to have this weak signal in our life. See, Satan knows this. He knows that if he can disconnect you, he can separate you. Once he separates you, then he could divide you. And if he could divide you, then he could defeat you. That's his tactic. It's, it, he's, it's, this is something that he's been doing for a long time. So we, friends, we have to fight for unity. Now, the best thing that's happened in this, in this whole time is that we got stronger in our groups. 
I love that. We started doing our grow groups right away. Many of you guys connected with it. Many of you guys are still staying connected. And I love that because we're not just a church with groups. We are a church of groups, right? And, and, and I love that. Groups helped us stay connected. The state helped us stay uh, in our path to grow spiritually and relational, relationally. I heard many of you guys that weren't even connected, didn't even know each other. You joined a group together, and now you're, you're best friends. Maybe not best friends, but you really like each other. We learned to stay connected in community. We learned to serve together. We, we did a lot of things in our community to serve our community, to help our community. We fed a lot of people during this time, but we did all these things together. We had prayer meetings every week together. It, it's been powerful. And this tells me that this pandemic did not shut down the church. Because the church, we understand, is not a building, right? It never was, it never is, it never will be. It's always about the people. So when we talk about the church, when you're in a church setting and we talk about church in the Bible, you have to understand that what it's talking about is not a building. When he talks about Paul planting all these churches, it wasn't just a bunch of buildings that he bought and filled up. No, it was a group of people. It was a community like we have today. It's about people. And the Church of Jesus Christ has been able to withstand and endure so many things throughout history. So many powerful people in powerful positions tried to destroy the church but failed. We're still here today, stronger than ever, because it was through the vision and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that led the church then is the same spirit that's leading the church today. That's why I have no fear of what's happening. But we understand that Christ's vision for his church is that we would be unified. He even used the word one, that we would become one. And that's important for us to hear. And that's why I love what the Apostle Paul's talking about in this verse. I'm going to read a different version of it, just a couple of verses here, just to show you here. It's verse 4 and 6. He says, you are all called to travel on the same road in the same direction. Do you know that you are called to this place to go the same way, the same direction? He said, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is presented in all. Everything you, you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. That's the desire. That's our heart. That's our, that's our goal is to unify and bring you oneness. And let me tell you this. How do we do that? Well, we're, the stronger life results with the surround, is the result of a surrounded life. Who you surround yourself matters, with matters. The stronger life depends on who you surround yourself with. Do you have people around you that encourage you and, and pray for you? See, Paul knew that this church would have to endure some difficult days ahead. There was tremendous, tremendous pressure coming against this body of believers. The church was going to have to face three major things coming at them, pressures that had the capability of separating them and, 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 and isolating them and breaking up this fellowship. They had to endure persecution. You know how that works. Sometimes when things get hard, man, we start to pull away, but we have to fight that. They had to stand up against false teachings, and they had to fight for unity and resist division among them. You know, lately, I've been wondering if the church of 2020 is going to have to face these same issues. I think it's coming. And Paul is addressing this this issue is to remind the people, number one, is that they got to remember their calling. 
Now, oftentimes, when we hear the word calling, we think of our own individual calling. We love to sit in that and soak in that and go, God, what is my purpose? But I want to tell you that when you read through Scripture, that it is the calling for the church. And you have an individual purpose, an individual, individual calling, but that is supposed to link up to the greater calling. If you really understand that, and we have a calling. God puts you in this congregation, in this group of people, on purpose for a purpose. That we ought to do this together, that what he's put in our hearts is something that we all need to be part of. And we all have a special place in. In other words, the Holy Spirit places you in a local community of believers in certain regions to fulfill the calling that he has for us. You've heard me say this a lot, too this last several weeks, you've been taking notes and been paying attention. We talked about the vertical and the horizontal, right? Meaning our relationship with God and our relationship with each other and how they affect each other. And because of what Christ has done in our lives, it should affect the lives and our relationships that we have with one another, with our family, with our neighbors, with our coworkers, and especially with our church body. So Paul is saying these strong words. He says, I beg you. I mean, you can't make it more important than that when he says, I beg you. This is the Apostle Paul. He's the father of this church, and he says, I beg you to live a life worthy of that calling, that you have credibility in this world because of how you express your love to one another, how you work together, how you put that vision and that mission above all other things. He says, live worthy of that calling. He says this, he says, always be humble. And be gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love for one another. Make every effort to keep yourself united. He's begging us to hear this message. I want to tell you that in today's culture, think about what we're saying here. Humbleness and gentleness, patience and love, how do you think that is being heard in the world today? I worry about Christians today representing Jesus and his church right now especially on social media. It seems like we're lacking some humility and gentleness, patience and love. We're causing the world to look at us and point their finger and say, hey, I told you so. I told you so. Seems like Facebook has become just a bunch of fingers pointing at each other saying, I told you so. And I'm not talking about non-believers and believers breaks my heart to see this among the church, among brothers and sisters that are loving Jesus and following Jesus together. We have become more passionate about the things that's, that we view differently than the things that we, are pas- we should be passionate about are the things that keep us united. And the enemy is having a heyday right now because he wants to see division in the church. He wants to separate. He wants to disconnect. He wants us to fight and bicker over things that don't matter in the scope of eternity. He wants us to be easily offended with one another. That's the enemy's tactics, and we're falling for it. But I think there's three ways that the enemy tries to divide us, and I want to address those today. Number one is disengagements, disengagement, delusions, and disagreements. So how do we fight against disengagement? You have to realize this is that the church is not built on feelings, it's built on faith. The, just the, temptation, the temptation is to disengage, isn't it? You know, when we're not in close proximity with one another, we start to feel tempted to disengage. You know, we do our services live, not because it's easy, 
but because it's easier for us to engage with one another. You know, there's a lot of the pastors that were giving me the advice. They're like, hey, you know what? If you just record earlier that week, and then you could just drop it in at a certain time, man, you're golden. You're good. Take the Sunday off, pastor. That's easier. But I thought there was something special of us like engaging together in that live hour where you knew that we were worshiping together. Even though we were separate, we were together. There was something special online, people. I hope you appreciate that, that it's harder, but we know that it's worth it. For us to feel like we're doing this together. So that we can connect and stay engaged with one another. Have you ever woke up on Sunday and felt like not going to church? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Have you ever woke up in the morning and not felt like jumping in on that Zoom call? You ever felt like you woke up and not felt like responding back to that text? Where that person's trying to build relationship with you but you just kind of not feeling it that day? See, that's what happens when we base our life on feelings, which can lead us into dark places, especially when it comes to the body of Christ. So you have to ask yourself, do I follow my feelings or do I follow my faith? Don't let your emotions dictate the life, your life. You know, here's the thing about feelings. They make great passengers, but they make lousy drivers. So don't let your life be driven by your feelings. Because there's going to be some days you're going to wake up in the morning, you're not going to feel like going the right places and doing the right things. But we have to remember that we have to live by faith. We have to build this church up by being people of faith. Be careful because our emotions, they can deceive us. They can deceive us, but we have to make the choice. We make the decisions to put those things in submission to our faith, that we go and we attend and we're, we're engaged and we're active because we know that this is the way I get built up. This is the way I can grow and mature and learn how to follow God the best that I can and to be part of his greater calling. Proverbs 3, 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. Don't lean on your own feelings. How do we battle through this illusion? You know what I mean by that is like people say, man, the church is not the way I thought it was, you know? Uh, they, they come in and they, and they connect and they're like, oh man, people aren't, people aren't perfect there, you know? Let me tell you, you're not going to find the perfect church because there's not a group of perfect people, right? So if our feelings have to be combated by our faith, then we fight disillusion by having hope. We have to be formed by the hope. And that's it, is that we're not built by our wishful thinking or our false dreams. No, we're built and, and, and we're formed by the hope of Jesus Christ and the higher calling God has for us. We are not in this together because we feel like we've found a community that will never hurt us or let us down or offend us. Trust me, it will happen. It's messy. It's relationships, right? But we did find a community that's always going to trust, always going to think best, always going to love, always going to forgive, always going to extend grace. That's what he wanted it to be. And we all have this hope that one day we're just going to continue to continue to look more like Jesus. And we're going to help each other do that. See, God has his way of perfecting us in our faith with imperfect situations and imperfect people. Can I hear an amen? Amen. We have a real hope in Jesus. That's why Philippians 1.6 says that we can be confident in this, that he who began a good work will carry it out unto completion until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, aren't you glad that God is still working on you? Aren't you glad that God is still working on us? He's gonna finish it. He's gonna complete it. He's still working. And so today we are built... Our faith, we're built on faith, we're formed in hope. And the last one is that we have to work through disagreements. 
We have to learn to work through disagreements. How do we do that? We have to be kept by love. See, we can't avoid disagreements. So how do we not let disagreements divide us and disconnect us? You know, I think we're living in a very dangerous culture today that tells us that if we disagree with somebody, that must mean that I hate them or, I, or they hate me. It's a scary time. Our culture doesn't allow us to build relationships while still having some disagreements, even within the church. And the church has to be the one to change that. You can't be pointing our fingers. We start here. We start with us. And here's the thing. We are not, I'm just going to lay it out right now. We're not all going to agree on the same thing. We're just not. Not on everything. Disagreements are going to happen. But we have to realize that we have a greater goal. We have to learn how to agree to disagree, but keep loving each other, keep building our faith, keep keeping the faith, and keep unity among us. You know, I love football. I hope it really starts this fall. <laughs> I'm going to be really heartbroken. But what I love about football is that it's the ultimate team sport, isn't it? You know, each player on the field has a, a unique position and a un- unique job. Even the most important player on the field, the quarterback, you know, he still has to depend on, his, on the other players to block for him. He still has to pass the ball or hand the ball off to another player that can take it further than him. And hopefully, they get to the end zone. That's the greater goal. Now, I've been part of organized teams, believe it or not. <laughs> and I remember being in the huddle, and I know in the huddle, sometimes there's disagreements on which play is being called. But I'll tell you what, that what the team understands is that when the team lines up and the whistle blows, those disagreements take a back seat. And all of a sudden, what matters is making the right play, doing your best job to be in the right position to help your team score. It didn't matter if you disagree. You learn to trust one another and do your job the best you can for the greater goal. As a church, we're going to have disagreements. You're going to have disagreements but we need to do our best to communicate with each other in a way that honors one another. We need to learn how to forgive and to work through those disagreements. And when it's all said and done, we need to strive for unity and keep one another on mission to stay focused on the greater goal. And friends, what is the greater goal goal for us? It is to glorify God and to make disciples. And the only way we can do that is by doing it together. But the key ingredient the key ingredient to hold us together, to keep us together, is through love. I'm going to close with this. If I could have my friend Nick come join me. Thank you so much, online church. Thank you for joining us. Well, Jesus gave us these instructions. It's actually a command from Christ to us, his church. And he says, I'm going to give you a new command. Want to know how to serve me, how to love me, how to do this right? He says, you got to love one another. In the same way, I have loved you. I mean, that right right there just blows my mind. That right there is enough for me to sit on for years. How can I truly love those in the way that Christ loved me? What is that going to do for your life? How can that change your life? How can that change your relationship? How can that change you today? And if you can walk out of here today and say, teach me how to love like you love.
Oh my goodness. The love that he's talking about is a sacrificial, unconditional love. He says, in the same way I loved you, he says, love one another. He says, this is how everyone will recognize. See, there's a marker. There's something that comes off of your life. There's something that people recognize quickly when they're around you if you ex- if, if express that same love that Christ has. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples, that you are my followers, that you are my church. It's going to be known by your love, not just any love, not just an affectionate love, but it's a love that gives I mean, if you want to learn what this kind of love is, it is and you want to see a good description, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and read it all the way through. It gives a brilliant description of this type of love that Christ is telling his disciples that this is the marker. This is, the, this is what people ought to see through his church, how we ought to treat one another with this type of love. This is what's going to keep us together, keep us focused, keep us in our calling. He says love, that kind of love. Then, when they see the love you have for each other, love is what brings us together. Love is what keeps us together. And I want to ask you to ask yourself, have I led this way? Have I led my life this way? Come on, this is convicting me. Do I love my neighbor in this form? Or have I allowed my disagreements with them in some way create a space between us and separate us Maybe I've done that with my church community through a post or through conversation or through my own perception of them because they didn't say hi to me at the grocery store. Come on, we're we're fickle like that sometimes. Have I led with love? Do I let love lead me? Do 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 I constantly go to God and say, God, teach me this practice? Because it's gonna be a practice. It's not just like a switch that you could flip. It's a process that you endure and get better at each day. Spirit works at in our lives. Have we been making our decisions out of love, or has it been through my own feelings, through my own attitudes, my own my own preferences? Am I willing to lead with love? That's the bottom line. So if we do that, if you're able to stand, if you stand to your feet. I want us to have this moment together online and in person that we're just gonna let the Lord allow whatever was said today. If we're feeling this disengagement, if we're feeling disconnected, if we're feeling like this sense of let down, or if we're feeling the sense of, God, I just, I'm having a hard time getting over this argument. I'm having a hard time getting over this person's opinion. God, help me. Come on, each one of us have one of these areas that we could work on right now, and the ingredient here is love. Is love. And he says, on him. It's how he first loved us. So can we get in that space right now? Father, we just come to you right now as your people, God. We're humbling ourselves before you, God, to say, God, we we haven't had this all figured out, God. We're still a work in progress, and we're so thankful for that, God. We're so thankful that you haven't given up on us. We're so thankful, God, that you continue to bestow your love on us when we don't deserve it, God, when we fail, when we mess up, God. We're so thankful that your love for us is not dependent on our performance. It's not uh, dependent on what we do or what we say, God. It's, it's, It's because you just loved us first that we now in turn can love you and understand real love. So will you help us, Lord, to now reflect that type of love, God? If there's any of us that feel unloved, let us right now feel by the presence of your Holy Spirit be this that love be manifested in our heart and our soul today. We need that. And Lord, I pray for our church that is stronger and connected more than ever. That we would 
walk out this love by reaching out to one another, by loving each other, telling the truth in love, connecting each other with each other, not letting everybody, anybody feel left out. Lord, put people on our hearts to reach out to this week, Lord God, to let us show them and express to them that we love them and we care for them, that we see them. And God, I thank you for your church, your holy church. Thank you, God, that you have us together in a community, a local community. God, help us to do our best to continue to live worthy of the calling that you called us to be We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody say. Amen. Well, we are stronger together. We are better together. Amen. And I'm glad that we're now allowed to start gathering together. Well, let's continue to pray. Uphold all the things that God's put on our hearts. We love you. Love to see you next week. Don't forget to your spot for next week. We got more room. Spread the word. God bless. Have a wonderful week. Thank you all for joining us. We love you so much. Hope you had a great weekend. Um, don't forget to stay connected. Our app, Church Center, and you can also stay connected through Facebook. So just keep watching those. Um, we love you guys so much. Thanks for joining again, and we'll see you guys next week.